Well, good morning, everyone. Um, uh, this is actually my second Dharma talk in two weeks. I don't think I've ever done that before, the, that, many, that, that many and that short of amount of time. And I did a uh, Dharma talk a couple Monday nights ago, and, um, and I think I realized that a lot of times I don't have any notes or anything, and I realize that my memory isn't as good as I think it is at times. So uh, today I jotted down some notes just... Uh, to help me out. So um, uh, my first thought was that, um, you know, a couple weeks ago, at, um, after one of our meditation practices, Bhante Rahula asked, do we have any questions? Which, you know, monks usually always do. And, um, you know, and I thought this for a long time, but I told him after the, uh, the practice that, um, you know, Bhante, I have questions, but I don't think you can answer them. And, you know, so I first came to... Uh, uh, the practice here, the uh, Blue Lotus Temple, I asked a lot of questions. And, um, and I had a lot of doubts, too, you know. So, and Bhante Sujad question, but, um, but I guess I was. I guess, you know, I was kind of confused, kind of like that mixture of, um, you know, like trying to find meaning to all of this and then actually just like a practical question. And I guess I, I really, um, it came, like I said, came probably out of a little confusion, but I always have had those, you know, like those deep questions, but I know, you know, no one can really answer them for me. But they're always kind of there, you know, and I, I don't think I'm, I'm looking for a real answer from anybody, and I think I just have to kind of sit with them. So, you know, when I thought of that, I get these um, feeds from um, uh, poems, from Rumi mostly, and this, I saw this one one morning, and I thought, wow, this is actually really good. It was kind of like just what, just what I was thinking. And I don't know who wrote this, but um, anyways, here goes. It says, uh, have patience with everything that remains unsolved in your heart. Try to love the questions themselves like locked rooms and like books written in a foreign tongue. Do not now look for the answers. They cannot now be given to you because you could not live them. It is a question experiencing everything. At present, you need to live the question. Perhaps you will gradually, without even noticing it, find yourself experiencing the answer some distant day. And I thought, hey, you know, that's kind of cool. I mean, I didn't like the distant idea. I mean, it's kind of nice you, wanna, you want these answers. Um, uh, immediately, usually. So I thought, you know, that's nice, but, you know, I still have to live my life, you know, and it's nice to always have those questions in my mind, kind of always in the back of my mind and, and realizing there's not an answer, but just kind of there. So um, I realized in the meantime, you know, living with everything isn't uh, always so simple. But I know we talked about um, a few times in the last few meditations that I remember in the last, probably over the last month, and um, I think especially with Bhante Sujatha, we were talking about how the negative parts of ourselves that are the most powerful things to work with. And, you know, this kind of like counterintuitive, I think, of, of how, I, probably all of us, but I mean myself, I've always 
kind of avoided that. You know, part, a lot of the negative parts of my personality or the negative thoughts and the negative feelings and even like negative things that I ha happen to me in my life every day. But, you know, I, it kind of it was a revelation to me in a way. And it's not like I've never heard it before, like working with all your negative, because that's really the most powerful part of yourself that really has the most opportunity for you to wake up and see things more clearly. But, um, you know, here again, like I said, it's not always easy. And I think if I, if I look at myself, and I think if I look at my, my brain, I mean, like probably everyone else's, that it's, it has a, like an agenda of its own. It's not like, at times when you, when you see it, it's not like um, maybe it doesn't want you to have those answers. I know this sounds funny to say it, talk like this, but maybe there's a comfortableness of, 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 um, of living with um, living the way we are and not going beyond some of the strong feelings that we have. But, you know, there is, I think there's always teachings and everything that always point to this, this point that working with the negativity and the real basic um, parts of our personality, that real strong parts of our personality, um, is, is really so crucial in... Um, in our, our uh, if you want to say, your spiritual development. So I thought of one of them, and one of them was the lotus flower. So the lotus flower is, you know, it's, it's, in, it's born in a pond, it lives in the pond, and it comes from the bottom of the muck. The roots and everything are in the muck. But it raises up itself out of the water, and where it reaches its really beauty is once it reaches up out of the water, and there it's where it uh, transforms its beauty. But the thing is, is that it's always connected to that bottom muck and, and all of that. That's where it gets its energy. And without that, it, would have, it wouldn't be able to survive, and it really wouldn't be able to show its true beauty. And there was one other thing that I came upon when I was reading about this, and I don't know too much about chakras. Um, I mean, I... I taken yoga for years, and I, there's always been talk of chakras. And I never realized this point of it, because I've, I've heard it, I know there's the energy levels in the body, and there's like lower energy levels and going up, and the higher um, you start like in the groin area, and I think there's six energy levels um, that are actually in the body. And as you rise up and you, and you function more in a, a higher energy level, you live more in a, in a higher consciousness and, um, and actually maybe a more awake lifestyle than you would at the lower of, uh, of the, um, the energy levels. And here again, and this is the one thing I never thought about with chakras, no matter how up, according to this, and honestly I don't, I don't know too much about chakras, but according to this, what I was reading is that no matter how high up you go in those energy levels, you're still dependent on that real low energy level where you, where, um, you know, here again, you might look at it as your negative, you know, your real um, having to deal with all your emotions and, uh, um, you know, seeking pleasure. And if you stay in that real low level, obviously you, you live a real um, primitive lifestyle where you just live with all your reactions and all that. 
But so I thought that was really interesting. You know, because I think that it's, we're always um, given that opportunity for the, the negativity in our life to really wake up. And I think the only, um, the way we see that is through our mindfulness practice, our mindfulness meditation. And I think for, for me, I think my mindfulness meditation practice, I think it's been really powerful. I also see it as being really subtle, you know. I think it takes a lot of work. Um, I think, you know, and it's slowly, the, the word slowly as holy comes in, because it really isn't something, I think, that comes naturally to us. And here again, I see myself, I want to say my brain, kind of resisting that, a lot of that. And it's kind of, and I think that's probably why it takes such a long time for some of us to really see this. And not to mention the fact that we really have to be able to just observe it, and that's it, a lot of observation and maybe for a long period of time. And so I, I was reading this, this article, which was really, it fascinated me, just the, um, uh, the title. And it said, mindfulness meditation often, often fails the scientific test. And I thought, wow, that's interesting. I wanna, you know, I wanna read this and see what it says about why does it, why does it say that about the mindfulness practice? So, um, it was actually like they had a lot of control groups, and certain some of the people were using mindfulness meditation. Some of the people were using relaxation techniques, and some of the people were just using self-control. And this was basically a study um, for working with anxiety and depression and seeing how, how well the mindfulness meditation happens, how well it works compared to other, other things. And... Um, and it was funny because I read the end of it and I thought, wow, that doesn't sound good. It says, well, the guy's conclusion was, well, mindfulness meditation is better than nothing. <laughs> and I thought, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's, you know, and I read it and I looked at it and it also said that the fact that it could be detrimental to you if you have, like, say, a lot of anxiety or panic attacks and stuff. So, you know, when I read it, I thought, well, you know, that seems kind of a negative um, uh, look at, uh, you know, the mindfulness meditation practice. But in reality, what it was, it was actually not really a long-term approach to it, and it wasn't a long-term study. It was more of like, um, how do we deal with anxiety? How do we deal with depression? And um, in short-term groups, you know, and, and seeing how, how it works. And, you know, and I thought, wow, that sounds kind of like... Um, mindfulness meditation practice light, you know, where, in other words, I think if I look at when I first came here, my approach was just that way. You know, my approach was probably more of the fact that how do, I do, how do I get rid of this anxiety? You know, how do I deal with my bad feelings that I don't like and all of that? But I realized that when you come with an agenda and you come looking for something to help you, um, you know, mindfulness, I think, like I said, I think for myself, I could see it where it really does work well with your emotions. It really does help you with anxiety and depression. But I think if you're looking for your cure-all in a short-term um, fix, I mean, it just doesn't work. But in the long run, and it seems, I'm telling you, slowly sometimes really, <laughs> it's like, wow, this is a lot of work. But I've, um, but I've, 
been so fortunate, I think, to have this practice to help me through, you know, a lot of things in my past. And now that I see it, I really, like I said, I think I see that um, um, it's just been like a remarkable um, uh, part of my life. So that's what I wanted to say about the mindfulness practice. So I, I thought that I would throw in this one thing at the end here. And um, it's, it touches on death. And I mean, what's a good talk without some death thrown in? Um, but, you know, I, I hesitated to say this. I mean, I really liked it. When I read this, I liked it. And I, um, I read it maybe uh, three times. And I said, wow, that's I, interesting. But some of the words that's used in here, um, you'll see what I'm saying. Some of the words that are used, you're kind of like, eh, you know, you have a lot of uh, connotations to them. So um, here we go. Let's just see what you think. When we die, we bitterly regret that we did not awaken the immortal divine consciousness of the soul, which we always are in essence, but instead use that incarnation to live spellbound by the trivial contents induced by the illusion of individual separation by identification with the physical body by which we suffered as a result. You know, I mean, I really like that, but there's some words in there like soul, immortal, and everything right away that, that kind of like you're thinking, oh, I don't know, you know. And honestly, I can read things like this now, and words don't affect me so much like that. I can read things with that, but I mean, um, I think when, as you know, uh, being brought up as a Catholic, automatically when I see a word like soul, I'm like, oh, wait a minute, what are they talking about? I, you know, that's, I, I, there's a lot of baggage to that word, or immortal, you know, when he talks about that. But the key, I think, to this is that, um, is that to see that we really do um, live kind of in a sleep state, and I've thought this for, God, a long time when I think that it, um, when I reach the end of my life, I mean, that would be really, um, I think I really would regret the, the, if I didn't take this opportunity that I have with this practice and take it as far as it'll take me, I guess. And that's what I loved about this, because it also, it also shows you that working with the negative parts of my personality um, actually gives you the opportunity to see things like this. So um, I think basically that's, I touched on all the points I really wanted to touch on. And, um, you know, that's my talk for this morning. And you know, I appreciate you all listening to me. Thank you. <laughs>